Hello and welcome to Regen the E-Racing Podcast. I'm your host Dino and with me today is my trusty co-host Chris. How are you doing? I'm good Dino, how are you doing? Good, good. You're obviously back from uh, the amazing Berlin E-Prix. I am. Got back uh, yesterday morning. So, oof, what a weekend it was. Just very nice to be back in the paddock finally after almost almost eleven months since I've been in now. But wow, yeah, very nice. Yeah, and uh, a lot of stuff with the Jaguar IPC Trophy, of course, as well. Yeah, so uh, the IPC Trophy was back in the paddock this weekend for the eighth race of the season, I believe it was. And yeah, I spent a lot of time with the IPC Trophy and. Some very exciting things lined up for Motorsport Monday in the future, and uh, on Motorsport Week as well. So uh, everyone oh. will have to keep their eyes peeled on that. Getting the plug in early, I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got a plug. Good. You've got a plug. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So uh, with that, um, we'll we'll jump into the show. Uh, Media of the week. Now, I am a big fan of motorsport in general, and uh, a big fan of the Formula One Beyond the Grid podcast. And they were interviewing Felipe Massa this week. Have you listened to that one, Chris? I haven't listened to that one, sadly. I don't think I've ever listened to it, but... It's really cool. I recommend it. If you have time, I recommend that one especially. It gives a good background into uh, Felipe when he was in Ferrari, being teammates with, with quite a few of the, obviously, the more interesting drivers like Fernando Alonso. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine that'd be quite interesting. With uh, Fernando's faster than you, and um, some of the some of the fallout from a few of the other things, so I loved it actually. So recommend that, listeners. And also, Optipod. So uh, without further ado, uh, there is a promo for you to listen to. Here we go. Hi, I'm Toby McElroy, host of Optipod, the optimistic podcast. In each episode, we share positive stories from you. Join us April 2nd for our premiere episode, wherever you enjoy podcasts. If you have a positive story to share, call or text us at 512-387-4674, and we'll be sure to get it on a future episode. Until then, stay positive. So if you liked that, please give it a listen. Uh, I know Tommy McElroy is, is an amazing host, and he has some really, really cool um, people that submit. And also, he is also looking for submissions. So if you have a cool, a cool story, um, some good news, then send it through to him. Audio submissions or emails, he loves both. So get on that. Now, Chris, what have you got for us? So uh, I completely forgot to do my reader of the week uh, this week and struggled to come up with an idea. Uh, and then this came to mind, and it's the Zach and Jay show on YouTube. So uh, the Zach and Jay show is a YouTube channel with two guys, one called Zach, the other called Jay, if you didn't realise. No, no, no really. Who knew? Very creative, <laughs> uh, very creative title. And um, they just do random things, really. And it's, it's very hard to explain, but uh, they just go to weird and wonderful events, so... Earlier this year, they went to the World Bog Snorkeling Championships in Cumbria. Uh, basically, you snorkel in a bog and like swim through a bog. Oh, I couldn't think of anything worse. Yeah, so they, they did that. Uh, yeah, just stuff like that. It's really hard to explain, so do check their stuff out. But their YouTube channel's seen massive growth. Like, I think they've only been going for since late last year, and they've already hit just over 300,000 subscribers. Wow. So uh, this came to mind because they've been doing a 100,000 subscriber special uh, special for what seems like months now. And everyone's been waiting, and they finally uploaded it over the past week. So yeah, yeah, have a look at that. Have a look at that. It's, it's solid stuff. Funny. Okay, well, I'll, I'll put those in the show notes, and uh, yeah, have a good look. I thought you might be going for the low-hanging fruit of the very last episode of The Big Bang Theory, or the very last episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, I've never seen The B- Big Bang Theory, but yeah, oh, I completely wow. forgot Game of Thrones happened. Yeah, yeah, well, we won't go into that. It's all over we'll, um, Speaking of um, TV shows and movies, though, 
there is a Formula E movie. There and is. And We Go Green. A new Formula E documentary titled In We Go Green will premiere at the Cannes Film Festival, which was, I think, last week. Yeah, Thursday, I believe. Yeah, this week. Well, yeah. Taking viewers behind the scenes of the Electric Street Racing series and highlighting the purpose of the ABB FIA Formula E Championship is a proving ground for electric technologies in a bid to combat climate change and air pollution. I liked the uh, the trailer for this one. It had Alejandro Gag saying he's a racing person, but if it benefits the environment, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like a fantastic film. I think it, uh, it premiered on Thursday last week at the Cannes Film Festival. And a lot of the a lot of the drivers were there, so we had uh, Jean-Éric Verne um, driving the Gen 2 car down the red carpet. Lucas Degrassi was there. Uh, Sam, Lottera was Sam there. Sam Bird, Lottera. Nelson yeah. Piquet Jr. We had Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, what's the other one called? Orlando Bloom. And then uh, Albert Longo uh, from Formula E. All right. So, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I think they showed it in Berlin in the E-Lounge, which unfortunately my uh, hard pass doesn't get me in there. <laughs> but, oh, you should have upgraded it. Come uh, on, Chris. What's I'm, going on? I'm, I'm not swimming in money. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Next time, um, directed by Academy Award-winning filmmaker Fisher Stevens and Malcolm Vinville. So this one sort of uh, storylines of the footage between John Eric Verne and Sam Bird um, and the fight. Uh, John Eric Verne obviously winning that championship last year. I want to see this, and I want to see it as quick as possible. Yeah, I've I've spoke to a few people who have watched it, and they've given it fantastic reviews. And it is basically a story of season four. It kind of reminds me of uh, F1's Drive to Survive kind of thing. But um, it's I believe it's only on for about thirty to forty minutes, so it's quite a short uh, production. But yeah, I've heard it's very good, very good. Now the other news: uh, Venturi set to uh, retain Felipe Massa and Eduardo Mortara for next season, season six. So this is according to the team principal Susie Wolf, um, and she says that uh, there would be no changes for season six which begins the end of this year. Now, obviously, Mortara was linked with Mercedes, yeah. but uh, that's that's been put to bed now. Uh, opens that up, and obviously, Felipe, I think, had a three-year contract, so he was pretty much a formality, considering his, his decent rookie season. Um, Mortara missing out on the Mercedes a, a, a bad thing, or do you think there's other drivers that, that could fit that team a bit better? Oh, it's a it's a hard call because Eduardo Mortara was a prime candidate for that Mercedes drive because it looks like Stoffel Van Dorn will form one of the seats. Let's face it. Yes, but yeah, you'd, you'd expect so. Yeah, and then for the final seat, you would immediately go, "Oh, Pascal Verlein, he would be a fantastic fit." But well, yes, he didn't fall out of favour. <laughs> Pascal Verlein ended his relationship with Mercedes to go with Mahindra, so that's out. Uh, the other drivers we've got in the Mercedes factory lineup are obviously Gary Paffett, who drives for HWA at the moment. Uh, Mauro Engel, who drove for Venturi last season. I would like to see him back in Formula E at some point. Raffaele Marcello, I believe he tested for uh, HWA in Marrakesh. Um, who else have we got? Uh, Daniel Giancadella, I believe. And mm, so there's a few in the stable. A very left field one. I came up with this, Esteban Gutierrez, but he hasn't had the best experience of Formula E in the past, has he? No, not particularly. But so you never know, he could come back. Yeah, precisely, we'll see. I don't think anyone knows at this stage. It's uh... And of course you could say Sam Bird, but again, he's he doesn't have his ties with uh, Mercedes anymore. Well, if Mercedes are looking for a place for Esteban Ocon, is he just going to sit on the sidelines in Formula 1 if he doesn't have a seat? <sighs> That's the thing. If Ocon doesn't get a drive for next season, where where do you put him? I'd put him in there. Let's be honest. If, yeah. yeah, you know, I'm I'm not a high flying Mercedes executive um, or Toto Wolf, but I would, you know, he's he's got to got to keep sharp. And I, I'm not a racing driver, but I assume that you would want you would want your driver 
driving instead of driving a simulator. Yeah, precisely. Uh, <laughs> that's obviously very important. But I don't know about Ocon. I can't see him racing in Formula E for some reason. Mm. Oh, well, we will uh, see when that shakes out. And I don't think we'll have to wait long either. No, it will uh, should be sorted shortly, I hope. Let's hope so. Uh, now, the Jaguar I-Pace e-trophy, I'll let you one, I'll let you talk about this one uh, in a bit more depth as you were actually there. Qualifying. So, a couple of stats around qualifying. Uh, fourth pole position for Bueno. That, that was a, a quick lap. Yeah, so uh, Kaka Bueno took pole position again in the I-Pace e-trophy. I think that was his fourth this season. And um, Bueno was... He was fairly untouchable in Berlin and qualifying anyway. Um, he was one of the only drivers to improve uh, his qualifying run. So in the IPC Trophy in qualifying, we usually see drivers post their best time at the very start of the season. And they'll continue lapping and lapping, and they'll be unable to match that pace. But uh, after the first runs, Bueno set the fastest time, which is a 1 minute 27.027. And then he improved to go into the 126s. Um, and that was with two and a half minutes to go. So I think that shows that he um, did have pace around Berlin. He was one of the only drivers who was able to improve in qualifying. Now, why do you think that is? Because obviously Formula E, the later groups, have a bit of a bit of an advantage with track evolution. So why is it that the, the first lap is is sort of becoming the best one for the I-Pace drivers? Oh, that's, that's a difficult question. Um, I was talking to Sergio Jimenez in Berlin and uh, Celia Martin, and they both explained that they were struggling with tyre temperatures over the course of the weekend, and qualifying was one of their major concerns. But yeah, I think Berlin's one of the most difficult tracks we have on the Formula E calendar and the IPC Trophy calendar. Um, it's very abrasive, it's very bumpy, you've got high tyre wear, high energy consumption, and the surface is also concrete instead of just regular asphalt. So immediately you've got a lack of grip. And I think Berlin probably was heavily reliant upon driving ability and it, ultimately, it was Bueno who got the most out of his car, really. I believe he was ooh, 0.16 seconds faster than Jimenez. So, you know, for a fairly evenly matched championship, it's quite a, um, quite a, arguably quite a gap. Then we had uh, New Zealand's Simon Evans, a further one, uh, 0.17 seconds down uh, from... Jimenez, so it was really it was very much a Jaguar Brazil racing day when it came to qualifying on the Friday afternoon. Brilliant. Um, poor qualifying for Catherine Leg, and recent form suggests it's not really a one-off. Yeah, so Catherine Legs, she started well in the series. She was the first driver who signed for the championship. She took uh, the win in Mexico City. But since then, we haven't really seen much from Catherine. She hasn't had a clean season. Uh, we saw her have that uh, big crash with Stefan Radzinski in Monaco. But in, in Berlin, she, she was off the pace, really. Just off the pace. Mm. Okay, into the race. Uh, Kaka Bueno stormed to victory. It was pretty game-set match from him. Uh, now... Bueno, and then Jimenez, and then Evans. So, basically, qualifying translated to the podium. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it was uh, another another one of those races, but the results really don't uh, showcase how close it really was out there. So, uh, we had Bueno leading at the turn one from Jimenez. Evans came in under a bit of pressure from Brian Sellers. Um, but that didn't really last for long. But the top three were covered by a very, very little amount of time. And uh, a late full course yellow uh, allowed um, Jimenez to regather himself and close back up to the back of Bueno. And um, oh, it was close. It was a very close uh, fight to the flag. Because obviously we've got Jimenez in the title fight. 
Bueno has had a he's had a few difficult races this season where he hasn't finished or he's thrown away a win, and he's trying to you know uh, springboard his championship into action. So we uh, we saw the two teammates really scrapping in front, and it was uh, it was solid. The solid solid in a uh, in the pro in the pro category, but the battle in pro arm was the uh, the highlight of the race for me. I absolutely loved it. I was I was watching it and I was like, I'd I'd rather just keep the camera on Zhang and Martin. <laughs> just keep it there. Just keep it there because it was ah, oh, it was amazing. It was so intense. The uh, the media center in Berlin is located by turn nine in Berlin, and um, turn nine is the the hairpin. Uh, at the start of the race, we saw Catherine Leg make a mistake in the hairpin. And uh, unfortunately, wipe out your man Bandar Alasai, who has a fantastic oh, I love name. It's <laughs> brilliant. And uh, we saw Bandar Alasai get wiped out, and he retired on the spot. And then that allowed Celia Martin to take the lead in pro am, and she was leading for for most of the race, and she had Yachi Zhang behind her. And the driving performance that she put in Berlin was hands down probably the highlight of her season and is a culmination of seven races of constant development and evolution in her career. And it was it was fantastic to watch. It really was. It mm. was very intense. I spoke to Celia after the race, uh, along with Kake, and she was very proud. Very proud of that uh, that result. Even though it wasn't yeah, it was a the great win. Performance. Yeah, even though it wasn't the win it showed that she can fight for the four wins in Pro-Am. So I think she feels very confident for New York Air in July. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I think she had a pretty hobbled car by the end of the race as well. It uh, took a few smacks. Yeah, she uh, she got struck by uh, Zi Zhang uh, in turn one. So he just, well, I don't even know what it was really. Just kind of launched an attack up the inside. And it was just a mess. Crashed into her, she tried to maintain the position. Sudden burst of acceleration, she hit him. He went out wide in into turn two and then spun round Ahmed, Ahmed bin Khanan. So yeah, a mm. bit of a bit of a messy one, but yeah, and of course Catherine Lake was handed a three place grid penalty for the season finale in New York for a crash with Bandar Alasai. And Alasai yes. could have won the Pro Am Championship this weekend if he'd outscored Yachi Zhang. By eight points, I believe. So all of a sudden, it's okay. quite close. It's back on, which is what we want. We don't want it uh, being over and done too soon. I see it goes down to the wire. We do. Uh, now, Thomas, no, not Thomas Rosinski. He's a footballer for Arsenal. Um, <laughs> Stefan. <laughs> Stefan Rosinski. Oh, um. Not in this one. Adam Carroll, what did you think of his performance uh, in the epic drift that he put on? So, yeah, I mean, Stefan was in Berlin. He was in Berlin. I saw him in the paddock, and I thought he would be... I didn't realise that he wasn't driving until I walked in the I-Pace paddock and saw A. Carroll written on the front of the uh, TWI Tachita car, and I just thought, that's interesting. Uh... The team's press release, I believe, said that it was just for Berlin. However, from the quotes from Keith Smout, who I believe is TWR's uh, team principal, it sounds like Radzinski might be out for the rest of the year. Yeah, I thought I read that somewhere, that it was a... I got, yeah, I got that impression. Hmm. Yes. Um, I thought it was a... An interesting one from Carol. He he did an okay job. I still I still think putting him in at this stage um, potentially not the best idea. Yeah. And Rosinski would have would have potentially done a better job. So I'm I'm pretty gutted actually because there was you know a podium and and there looked like some real progress um, from Stefan. Yeah, so exactly. That's unfortunate. Hmm. He was he was constantly building upon his weekend. He had a he had a difficult start, but. From certainly in the European rounds, he's he's been doing well, and that you you mentioned at this late point in the season, it might be a bit of a mistake to put Carroll in, and I and I do have to agree with you. Adam Carroll's a fantastic driver, though. I 
if anyone can do a good job, it's him. He drove for Jaguar in Formula E in season three. Uh, a couple of years ago, which was ago. a bit of a bit of a average car to be fair. Yeah, it was. It, know, was it, it wasn't was, the best car. No, and he he would have been wrestling with that, and um, obviously outscored by Mitch Evans, but he he did a decent job. Yeah, he did a solid job. I think his best finish was sixth or something in Monaco. But over the course of the weekend, one thing that I established with the drivers in the IPC Trophy was how difficult the IPC car is to drive. And that's purely because uh, well, in Berlin, the IPC cars in some corners were braking later than the Formula E cars. And some drivers couldn't get their head around that. <laughs> so it's, it's a very different car to drive. Yeah, and it's, it's built like a tank as well. Yeah. You know, it, it probably, well, I don't know, but um, it probably has a lot more roll um, than you would think. Um, yeah, we'll move on. Okay, so the race result, Bueno, Jimenez, Evans, Sellers, Leg in the Pro, and then the Pro-Am, Yaki Zhang, uh, Celia Martin, and then Vin Karnan. So that was the podium. Jens Drala, 10th, ahead of the Zizhang. So uh, a decent drive from him. Does he have much uh, racing pedigree? Do you know, Chris? Uh, I hadn't heard of him up until this weekend, but he drive. He, he doesn't drive. He uh, writes for Automotor und Sport, the uh, German motorsport publication. So he was the uh, the VIP driver this weekend, but he's he's a very tall man. I didn't see him, but I was told that he was about six foot six, six foot seven. <laughs> so it was that a concern Crikey. that they wouldn't be able to fit him in the car. But he got in, he got in. <laughs> yeah, no, he definitely made it in. We can confirm that much. He did drive. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, he did a decent job. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, the Formula E qualifying. Sebastian Buemi taking pole. So the qualifying king is back on top. Now, Sebastian Buemi, Stoffel Van Dorn, Lucas Degrassi, Gary Paffett, and Alex Lynn, uh, and Alexander Sims. Uh, top six, and then we've got Daniel Apt, Antonio Felix da Costa, Jean Eric Verne. Uh, good qualifying from him. Jerome D'Ambrosio in tenth, Verline eleventh. Quite uh, quite good to see Jerome out qualifying uh, Pascal. And then we've got Oliver Rowland, Sam Bird, Oliver Turvey, the three Brits in a row. Uh, Maxi Gunther, Eduardo Mortara, Dillman, Evans, Felipe Massa. Jose Maria Lopez, Robin Frains, and Andre Lotterer. Now, Degrassi making it into Super Pole from the first group, and the others that stood out for me in this, Evans, Massa, Frains, and Lotterer, all down the tail end of the field. What happened with Andre? It was just, uh, he, he's so far away in a minute 12, and nowhere. Yeah, so uh, Lotterer topped free practice two for Diaz to cheat in. It showed that the car did have pace around uh, Berlin. And obviously he was in group one. And because group one has its advantage, traditionally the, the last man over the line in group one will have the best chance in qualifying. And Lotterer and Diaz to cheat chanced this and it backfired. So Lotterer failed to complete a 250 kilowatt lap entirely in Berlin purely because the checkered flag had waved before he could start his final flyer. So a costly mistake meant that he started from the last row of the grid. He probably missed it by 20 metres. You could uh, see the replay of it, and it was green, green, green. 20 metres before the line, the lights went red. He would have missed it by milliseconds. Yeah, it was... Half a second. It was very close. He was adamant that he'd made it, and Diaz were very confident that they'd made it. But then the replay shows that they, were, they didn't really. And it was, a, it was a costly mistake, because at this stage in the championship, this was the fourth final race. Yeah, you can't be, afford to be dropping points. Yeah, that's the thing. Like <laughs> This could be the thing at the end of the season. Because, let's face it, Andre was showing pace. Probably, you know, a top 10 finish, you would have thought. Yeah. And and that amount of points could be, they could lose the championship. Yeah, precisely. I mean, they're not looking, they're not looking like it, but potentially, that mistake, that, that could be it. Yeah, exactly. It's, at this stage, one small mistake could be really costly. 
And that's the harsh reality of it, really. And, uh, you know, where a lot of drivers attack the group qualifying format. Uh, not to drop any names. <coughs> Looks grassy. Yes. Um, but well, well, he he uh, he made it <laughs> exactly. From group one, he made so... it move from group one, so you know, just just it was it was close. He was the uh, the slowest runner. Well, he was he was on the fringes of not being in Super Bowl, and as the sixth slowest driver in the group qualifying stages, he obviously started Super Bowl, and uh, it was a quick lap. It was a very good lap from uh, Lucas Degrassi. And uh, Alex Lynn failed to beat that. Gary Paffert failed to beat that. And Sims failed to beat that. Which, brilliant from Degrassi. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. It's very good going. Paffert was Degrassi's nearest challenger, and that was, he was six hundredths of a second off for HWA. But then, you know, Ender Boemi stage left. Yes, he's back. Um, brilliant. And it was his first pole position based on pace. Since the New York City Epre last year, it's very hard to believe, but that is the case. Yeah, it is the case, and he was he was four tenths faster than Degrassi's time. So total domination from the Swiss racer in qualifying. And I spoke to Sebastian after qualifying, and oh, he was so happy. <laughs> he was so happy, just hoping for a dry race, which obviously he got. But yeah, and then Stoffel van Dorn slotted in the second. Which he'll be he'll be absolutely thrilled with that too, you know. Well, yeah, precisely. First season, um, rookie, and yeah, picking up the points. Uh huh. It it was a good qualifying for HWA. It was a two four on the grid. So. Yeah, I I look at it and I think, well, you know, you've got two BMWs in the top ten. You got the two HWAs, two of the Audis, the Virgins. Nowhere, uh, the Jaguars. Alex Lynn, you know, where did that come from? Fifth. Yeah, it was a good, uh, good qualifying performance from Lynn. Uh, I think we're seeing him grow uh, in the Gen Two car, but the Gen Two car specifically, I think, really suits his driving style. He struggled in his first season of Formula E with Virgin, and he, he got he got some good points finishes for the first four or five races, but from there, just it was downward spiral. But I think being with Jaguar Racing, he's got newfound confidence in his in his own ability, and yeah, he's he's very confident at the moment. He's in a good place. Mm. Now the race, uh, Boemi led for a few minutes, but Degrassi didn't really take very long to get rid of uh, Stoffel Van Dorn and then Boemi himself. He was he looked like a man on a mission and easily had a a one point five second gap out the front. How easy was this for Degrassi? It looked. It just it looked like nothing was going to stop him from the win, basically, right from the start. Yeah, as soon as Lucas Degrassi qualified in third, I thought Degrassi's going to win this race very easily. Because what we've got to remember is the because the Berlin track is very heavy on energy consumption, it very quickly becomes a game of efficiency. And that Audi Sport Abtschaefler car is a very efficient machine. And for Boemi, his Nissan IM01, it struggles. It struggles with its efficiency. Uh, I know we've heard all sorts of rumours and theories about the Nissan powertrain, but it ultimately is inefficient in the race. And uh, it was a game of efficiency in Berlin. And uh, it was it was Degrassi who, uh, who was the most efficient driver on the day. Was there much tyre degradation, or did the... Did the tyres hold up okay for the drivers? They sort of looked like they were sliding around the place a little bit towards the end. Yeah, so um, I was speaking to Tom Dillman uh, in the run-up to the oh, race. Did, did you did you get an autograph for me? No. <laughs> oh. The thing is, I, I could have probably... When I was talking to Tom, um, two guys just walked up to him and asked for a cap, and he got them caps. I probably could have gotten you something in all honesty, but... Don't mind. <laughs> All right. Next time, <laughs> next time you're at a race, a signed cap would be appreciated. No. And then I will. And then and then we can post it all over social media because <laughs> we we love Tom on this podcast, but he's just he's just off the pace and and the car looks like a dog. Um. Yep. Carry on. <laughs> the car is a dog. <laughs> 
Well, I should. I, I can't say that because I really, I really like Neo. I just say it looks like one. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But, <laughs> but... <laughs> well, now we can't ask for a cap. Now I'm going to have to do it myself. Oh, um... <sighs> what was I saying? <laughs> Uh, something about Degrassi and the tire wear. Okay, so no Dillman and the tire yeah, wear. So, so, yeah. so Tom Dillman thought uh, that it would be a very, like, a very crazy race in Berlin, combining the um, whew, combining the uh, concrete with the abrasive surface and uh, the high energy management. So he thought we would see a unpredictable, a fairly unpredictable race. But we had a full course yellow with about sixteen minutes to go. For Alex Lynn, yeah, and that just kind of removed strategic elements from the race. But I, I'm confident. I think tire degradation was definitely a factor in Berlin. You know, um, it's definitely the most bumpy and abrasive surface we race on all year. So, yeah, I liked your segue into Alex Lynn. Um, he was sort of carving through the field, and he sort of he had a good scrap in the midfield, but um, eventually the rear of his car seized. And he just spun and and couldn't go anywhere. What was the problem there? Um, I heard somewhere that it was a pretty rare problem that doesn't really happen with Formula E cars so much. But um, yeah, it meant that he, he lost drive in the uh, rear of his car. I would imagine that would be a uh, potentially like a drive tra- a drive train problem. Right. So very annoying because he was running very. He was running inside the top six at the time, I believe. Because that could have been a very good haul of points for Jaguar, but that, that was gone, annoyingly. Well, it was a really good showing from him. He sort of, he's been on it all weekend, and you can only you can only do what you can do. You know, you've done everything you've been asked of, and um, if if the the car lets you down, well, the car lets you down. Yeah, exactly. Now, Lotterer battery issue retired, which his weekend just went from bad to worse. He was making up a few places, but didn't really. Didn't really seem to be getting well. I think he retired and he was about fourteenth. Yeah, he um he started from twenty first and made his way through the field. I think the highest he was running was around about tenth or eleventh. And then he had a the battery pod problem, as you mentioned. Um and it was the first retirement in the Gen two era because of a battery po- uh, battery problem. And that was just a cooling issue. Um uh, so he really struggled with cooling and just had to retire. And the car would have stopped out on track anyway, so it was a good job he managed to get it back into the pit lane. But, yeah, difficult weekend for him. Very difficult. I uh, wanted to talk about Dragon. Lopez, did you see him in the closing stages? Had about 2%. And I thought, oh, he's he? probably not going to make it. Yeah, he was He was running really well. He was up above Maximilian Gunther. And um, he was incredibly quick. But then, I don't know, he finished well last of the runners just because he he had to conserve energy or else he wouldn't have made it i didn't actually notice that yeah yeah he was he was just going for it and i thought crikey he's he's just flying but no he he had to had to crawl at the end obviously so it would have been a tough one a tough one for dragon um yeah difficult weekend i can't help but think lopez is uh is is Time might be up at the end of the season, with uh, Gunter beating him both quali and the race here as well. Yeah, um, I, it's just been a very frustrating uh, season for Dragon because the team, <laughs> the team has like a, a trend in their performance, a correlation that's that's downwards. Um, every year they seem to get worse, uh, consistently worse. You know, and this season's been a fantastic case study of that. Um, they did well in Berlin last year. I remember um, Jerome D'Ambrosio was in the Super Bowl shootout, but this weekend, nothing. Not really a glimmer of hope. We had Gunther finishing 14th and uh, Lopez in 20th. Yeah, crawling around. Four- 46 seconds uh, off uh, Degrassi, who obviously won. Yeah. And that's mad. Yeah. That's mad. Take a look at his rise and then fall. Just at the end of the race, when you get a chance. Yeah, I'll have a look. I'll have a look at that. Yeah, obviously, all eyes would have been on the front battle, but uh, that was that was interesting to see as well. Now the standings: Jean-Éric Verne 
retains the lead of the championship with 102 points. Lucas de Grassi, 96 now. Oh, this is, it's going to be spicy. Um, Andre Lotter, a 10 behind de Grassi now with that terrible weekend on 86. Felix da Costa on 82. Freins, 81. And then we go down to Mitch Evans on 69. Apt on 67. D'Ambrosio, 65. Roland 63, Boemi 60. I'm, I'm quite shocked that Roland has more points than Boemi, but <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Bird 56, Mortara 53, 52 for Verline, 31 for Massa. Uh, Van Dorn on 30 points now. Uh, Alexander Sims on 24, and Gunter on 10, Paffett 8, Turvey 6, Lynn on 4, uh, Maria Lopez on 3, PK on a point. Nazza, Delman, and Rosenquist, uh, zero of all the all the entrants this season. Roland has more points than Boemi at this stage. Did you predict that? I certainly didn't. I think it's the it's the last thing that anyone would have predicted this season because Sebastian Boemi is the most successful driver in Formula E. He's got twelve wins under his belt. Degrassi is close to beating that now after taking his tenth, but. You know, Boemi's a solid driver. Boemi's a very quick and pacey driver. And to see a rookie come in and certainly outperform Boemi in the first half, well, over the season, it's a surprise. It's very much a surprise. And Roland was called up last minute by Nissan. He was never supposed to be in the car this season. It was uh, supposed to be Alexander Albon, who's at Toro Rosso now in F1. But, yeah, Oliver Roland's been very impressive. He's been very calm cool but he's been confident i think his confidence is what's separated and made him stand out really he's quite confident in himself but then Buemi's ha- he hasn't had the easiest year has uh, sebastian Buemi. yeah he's had mm. breaking uh, problems i believe um you know his retirement from santiago when he was leading it's just a series of unfortunate events but yeah, the battle at Nissan looks very interesting. I think, yeah, three points between the two of them at the moment. And uh, if Roland is able to beat Buemi, I believe it's the first time that Buemi would have been beaten by a teammate in the Drivers' Championship in Formula E history. Isn't Roland only his second teammate? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's the reason why. Yeah, that's, you know. that's um... why. But over the course of five seasons, it's uh, quite a... Yeah, it's a good, I mean, it wasn't Nico Prost, but yeah, it's, it's a good feat. Yeah, um, now, cut off for the championship, I would say only the top five still in it. Um, Robin Fryan's on 81 points, uh, Mitch Evans in sixth on 69, is that a little bit too far now? Um, I think we've still got 84 points on offer, yeah. I would say the top five, I might even... I know there's only one point between De Costa and Frines, but I might even just say the top four. Really? Uh, yeah. I don't have any faith in the Ambition Virgin car. Oh, uh, I okay. Don't think, I really don't think they can challenge for the championship this year. It's a bold statement. I know it's a very bold statement, but I don't think... Okay. Um, the Constructors' Championship, DS to Cheetah, 188. Audi Sport app Schaeffler, 163, 137 for Envision Virgin, Nissan 123, Mahindra 117, 106 for BMW, 84 for Venturi, a Panasonic Jaguar on 74, and then you got HWA 38, a Geox Dragon on 13, and Neo on 6. Do you think now that um, Envision seems to be dropping down the charts after a goose egg and then two points in Berlin, and Nissan, you know, 31 points and then 25. I mean, are you going to see Envision Virgin fourth or fifth? Um, Two's and fifth. Ooh, it's a hard call. I would definitely say not third. I, I can't see the team finishing third right now. They've had, they've wow. had a... Yeah, it, it's, it's a shame really because they've... Um, they had a very good start of the season, but unfortunately, I just, I, I just can't see it. I can't see it. I was supposed to talk to Sam Bird, and he came ninth in Berlin after on the, after failing to finish in the top ten for the last four races. 
And he goes, you know, it's not the season that I wanted at all. We started really well. We won early on. We won early on. We had podiums early on. You know, they had, they had the two, three results in Marrakesh. It was a nice haul of points. And then since then, the pace hasn't been there. I mean, I know Bird's had a... For Bird, it's been, he's been very unlucky with multiple incidents ruining his race or something like that. But he said that the last time he was in the top ten prior to Berlin was Hong Kong, which is when he was leading the Drivers' Championship. And now he's outside of the top ten. Yeah, I read something that he gave himself a three or a four out of ten for the season, which which I thought... Yeah, that was that was me. That was written by me. Yeah. Oh, that was written yes. by you. Oh well, at least I'm at least I'm reading the right things. <laughs> um, I I think I commented on it and said I'd probably give him you know like a five or six. He has won a race. Yeah, precisely. I don't think I don't you know he's obviously being a bit hard on himself with a, a, a three or a four. I mean, a, a six out of ten is probably where I would put him. Yeah, I, I I still think he's got quite a few more points in him this season, but it's been it's been terrible. Yeah, it's been so unfortunate for him. And it looked like it could have been Sam Bird's year this year. And I, I, I did ask him, you know, we've got X amount of points available, three rounds to go. You're obviously very good in New York because he won both races at the end of season three there. Yeah, very good in New York. Where do you go from now? And realistically, he's looking at no higher than sixth in the championship. From what he said to me, yeah, it's it's the last few races have been slim pickings for you know drivers in the three down to eight sort of range. Yeah, you know Roland and Boemi, the big movers. He he, yeah, yeah, potentially. It's going to be an interesting close to the season, isn't it? It's still far from over. It is. It is. Um, Neo getting more than six points this season. No one wants to finish last. No, but I, I still think I still think Tom can do it. You know, I still I, think he I can think get Tom Tillman can. I think he, he's so hungry. They just need that one race. They need that one race. There's no quick solution for the problems that they've got at the moment. In in the in the final three in the standings, HWA has cemented ninth. Undoubtedly, I don't think Geox Dragon yeah. or. Neo can challenge that now. No, that's too far. So the fight, the battle for last will be between Dragon and Neo. We got Dragon on thirteen points, Neo on six. Three races to go. Ooh, I don't know. I think obviously Dragon has the edge at the moment. No, I, I can't see it happening. Okay, well I'm going to go for Neo tenth. Yeah. I'm just thinking of uh, Dragon's pace and qualifying. Yeah. Yeah, they do have a bit. Yeah. We'll we'll see. And before we go on to Driver of the Day, who has the next two weekends to save their seat for Season 6? Ooh, this is a left-field question. I've I've thought about this one, and and my my thoughts go to, unfortunately, Gary Paffett. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they go to Alexander Sims. Okay. Lopez. Yeah. And Dillman. Okay, that's interesting. The next two weekends to save their seat for season six. I definitely agree with you on Jose Maria Lopez. Lopez is a man under pressure right now, and he's been completely outperformed by Max Gunther. Uh, elsewhere, um, you could argue Daniel Apt. I don't think so. No. Yeah. I'd, Surely not. I can't not. see Apt leaving. But I think he might come under a little bit of pressure, uh, especially if Degrassi's now winning. Who's who's replacing Apt? Oh, flipping heck. Um, me. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> From journalist to driver. Yeah. You might okay. put me in the IPC trophy. <laughs> um, well, I'd I'd love to give it a go, but anyway. Uh, it would. I would say either Nico Muller or Rene Rast. That's a very big gamble, but I'd, you know. What about uh, what about Sam Bird? Sam Bird's certainly an option. Uh, he, you've got the Audi powertrain in the back of the Envision Version car, um, so I don't see why that wouldn't be possible. I just don't know what kind of a deal Sam's on with Virgin at the moment. He's obviously been there since the very start, 
of his career um, in Formula E. It's a happy, happy hunting ground for Sam and Envision Virgin. Or has been. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll obviously wait and see. But um, Gary Paffitt, do you think he's sort of driving for his career with I would say so, yes. eight points and, and, and Stoffel on, on 30? Yeah, Stoffel van Dorn isn't an easy teammate to have, is he? Uh, very challenging to beat. Obviously, um, most successful GP2 driver we saw. And he raced an F1 alongside Fernando Alonso. And um, you, you could probably argue that uh, the situation that we have at HWA is similar to the situation we had at McLaren last year. You've got Paffert versus Van Dorn and Van Dorn versus Alonso and Van Dorn being the Alonso in this scenario. Mm. T- to be honest, yeah, I think, yeah, Gary Paffert is under pressure. I thought he would have might have been replaced this season in the early stages. It's a bit, yeah, that is a bit harsh. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't talk about him getting mugged um, in the race and he just couldn't stop the rot. Uh, so we just kept falling and falling. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, which was, yeah. I mean, he's he's probably less under pressure than uh, Lopez, or well, I hope Dillman stays. Well, actually, um, Dillman to Audi. Oh, I think that's very, uh, very unlikely. <laughs> in in, in yeah, an ideal true. world. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. So, driver of the day, Chris. What do you reckon? There's only one man who can get it. Burn? Yeah. John Eric Burn. What a drive. All Eighth right. to third. Fantastic. Yeah, it was a, a really well, he did send it up the inside quite a quite a few times. Uh and the overtakes were sublime. Ninth to third. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. It was <laughs> the confidence that he had in that DS to cheat a car was it was mental. It was crazy. We saw him racing against uh, Paffert uh, in turn six early on. And he was so close. He was so close to him. And it was very measured and calculated performance from Verne. And he was battling Degrassi at the end. And then what if is a, you know, a horrible uh, little question at times. But you've got to think, if we didn't have that full course yellow... What could Verne have done? You want to you want to find out and think, oh, if it wasn't if it wasn't for this or you know, you, you could all of these factors yeah, I mean it bunched up the midfield, yeah. some of the cars might not have, you know, been caught by others or I mean it's hard to hard to say. Yeah, to think because the full course yellow removed any need for energy management really. Uh, which is really annoying because we had this fantastic strategic battle opening up and it just eliminated it. But yeah, well, who's your driver of the day? I've got to give it to Degrassi. I mean, driver of the day, I'm going to sort of mix in qualifying as well. Yeah. It, it was just, there was no stopping him um, once it got to the race. He he just made quick work of, of Van Dorn and Buemi, and I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I think Degrassi had a very good race. Uh, obviously, to maintain a super pole, posi- uh, super pole qualifying position from Group 1 was impressive. And as soon as he was starting in third, was was there anyone else who was going to win this race realistically? No, not really. I, I thought controlled from the front, easily just kept one to one and a half seconds ahead of, of anyone anyone else, um, which Boemi sort of stuck there, but... Um... Yeah, controlled. Yeah, I mean, we saw him slice his way past uh, Van Dorn and Buemi within the first seven or eight minutes. And from there, that was it. A lonely race, I'm sure. But uh, an important win. I don't think he'll care. No, I don't think he'll care. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it, it, it's solid performance from Lucas. It was good going. Obviously, his second, second win of the season, uh, second repeat winner in Formula E this year. Yes, yep. And um, I, I still think Degrassi is going to going to win uh, the championship. Have we heard who's won this Valstapina trophy thing, or is there one more round? Because is Burn? I think Burn is. Yeah, Burn's uh, the is final the, round. Right, right. So uh, everything's in. still to play for. I think it was Lobster. Uh, it's not anymore. It might be Vern who's leading that now, possibly. Right. Val Stepina, if you're if you're listening, which it's not likely that you are, but if you are, 
we we can do your marketing and um do your do your stats and everything for the championship next year if if it's an ongoing thing. We'll just put that out there for you. <laughs> and with that, we will end the episode. So thank you very much, Chris. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, but uh, you're in the dog box as uh, Dillman's cap is not sitting on my head at this minute. Oh, I'll, I'll work on that now, for next mo- time. <laughs> thank you. That's much appreciated. Um, Motorsport Monday. It's an online magazine from the best motorsport writers on the planet, and you can download every issue free in the show notes. Um, Chris is the Formula E editor, and uh, the content is amazing every week. I try and try and make sure that I'm all over the news, uh, and and that really helps. So thank you to everyone on that magazine. They do a really good job. No worries. Thank you very much. Also, talk to us. We love to talk with the community. Hello at regenracingpodcast.com is the email. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and um, that'll give you more info about the places to subscribe for free to the podcast. Uh, we also have a smart link now which is pretty neat, from Plink, and you can click that, and whatever device, whatever operating system, whether it be on PC, on Mac, on Android, on iOS, it'll take you to the default app for that to listen to the podcast. So that's pretty cool. Um, and we know it's annoying, but if while you're on the app, if you could give us a review, Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, and uh, the intro music, Danelle Armour featuring Sarah DeWarren Gallery, used with permission from Danelle Armour. Check out his amazing music. He is just an incredible artist. So, yeah, give him some love. Thank you very much, Chris. I look forward to uh, hearing from you again shortly. Yeah, thank you very much. Can't wait for Bird next month now. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a long wait. What are we going to do? What are we going to do in the meantime? Twiddle our thumbs. I'm getting with uh, withdrawal symptoms already. Wow, that was quick. You've, you haven't been watching the Indy 500? Oh, I was reporting on the Indy 500. All right, you're all over everything motorsport. Mm, yeah, it was a good race, actually. Uh, yeah, mm. solid. Well, maybe, maybe we can continue talking about this uh, after the show. But all right, see you, listeners. Yes, goodbye. Thank you. <laughs>